welcome to the Migrant Next Door. I'm your host and fellow migrant Ritika and I'm here to talk about all things related to migrants. So we'll discuss everything from moving to a new country, mental health, relationship problems, culture shocks, investing and more in the journey to build a home away from home. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Migrant Next Door. Before I start, I do want to give you my weekly weather update. So Saturday was actually all right, not too bad. Um, it was mainly overcast, didn't get much sun and we were just waiting for the rain to come through on Sunday as it was predicted. It rained the whole day, like the temperature dropped 9 degrees, which is, as you know, very inconvenient. And it was just pouring cats and dogs. Couldn't go out of the house. No sunshine whatsoever. Had my laundry hanging outside, so I had to get that in. But it was still all wet. So overall, not a really good day. But uh, today is Monday. The sun is out. The temperature is back up. And I know this is autumn now, but it still feels like summer. So that's great. I will just use every day that I have of the sunshine before the miserable winter sets in which i'm not really looking forward to but i know it's going to happen so you know what can you do what can a mere human do nothing anyways so my partner has gone for a one week course of what's called outward bound i think they're like an organization here in new zealand and they just take people on these um nature tours where you just basically lock away your phone or any other like ipad laptops away and you're not allowed any screen time no books you just explore the nature um go for hiking tramping swimming and you know just um with a bunch of people and learn a new skill or learn a few different skills actually so he's really into this sort of stuff he loves it and he's been meaning to do this for actually a while now um so he was stoked he was really stoked <laughs> i um i dropped him to the bus stop on sunday and although it was pouring with rain he was just <laughs> very chirpy and very excited so <laughs> Um, the weather didn't really bother him because um, he knew the next week was going to be okay so yeah he's off doing that so I'll not have any contact with him from Monday to Friday I think Friday evening that's when um, they come back to their base location he's going to get his phone back and then he's going to travel back to Christchurch so that's great for him I on the other hand I'm the type of person that I at dinner time will not eat dinner till I've figured out what I need to watch on Netflix so you literally have this uh, plate of food right in front of me getting cold. But I need to figure out what am I watching today. Otherwise, it's just like a waste of time eating food, doing what? Nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I used to do this a lot as a kid as well. So um, thank God my mom's not here to yell at me now. It's, um, yeah, it's it's not really improved. I probably need to do something like that. um, Like a digital detox. I don't know, maybe for like two hours or something. <laughs> Anyways, coming to today's topic, I want to talk about something that most of us, if not all, most of us as migrants have experienced, and that is to deal with work visas. Why we need a work visa, why we want a work visa, why we actually hate a work visa, and why it is actually important to have one, and just everything else. So from my own experience, I came here as a student and once I finished my studies, there were two options for international students. You could either have a one year, which is a 12 month open work visa. Open work visa means 
you are free to do whatever job you want for however many hours you want to work. So if you want to work 8 hours a day, 10 hours a day, 15 hours a day, do whatever you want. And it can be any job, whatever you can get your hands on to earn some money or to even find like an internship or something. So that that will help you to get like a real job or a job that is related to what you studied in university. So either you have that option number one, a 12 month open work visa. Well, there was another option, option number two, which was a 24 month, so two years uh, post-study work visa. And that visa is for people who, as students, um, have managed to find a job that is happy to sponsor them. So they are going to work for that organization in a specific job. And that organization will, uh, you know, sponsor their work visa. So it is double the duration, but the catch is that your work visa is tied to that job. So on your visa, it says, can only work as, say, a technician at XYZ company. So you can only do that job. So two options. And um, when I was studying, I had a part-time job and they were happy to sort of sponsor me into a full-time role. So... I managed to get the two-year work visa, which was obviously specifically tied to my um, company and for that role. So I wasn't allowed to change roles unless I really wanted to. And then I have to like follow a separate process. So what happened at the time is I was um, super stoked to get that visa. And, you know, as a as a student who's um, just finished studies and got a new job as a graduate, you just feel great. But after a while, a few things happen and that happens with everybody. You either realize that this job is not for you, this is not what you imagined when you took this job, or you're not really learning what you wanted to learn, or you're not really learning anything, or you have basically done everything you can and there's not much scope to learn or improve or move forward in your career with this job. Or simply you just hate it. You hate your boss or your boss hates you or you just don't like it. You know, this can be anything. And it happens with everybody. When that happens with migrants who are on these type of uh, what I'm going to call locked work visas, locked or tied to a job, it's very hard to find a, a different job, even in the same company. Because when you get these visas you basically or your organization basically has to prove that there's no one else in the country to do that job better than you can do it. And that's why you deserve to get that visa. You know, that's a full process. The company will advertise, you will apply, others will apply, they'll hold a full interview process. And then if you're the successful candidate, they can say, okay, yes, we did a full due diligence and we could only find this person who can actually do the job. Um, and it's not just experience or what you've studied it could be anything like in my case at the time I was already working as a part-time employee while studying so I knew all the systems I knew what the work was and they didn't really have to train me so these were a lot of contributing factors that they added to my visa application to say this is the person who can do the job so what happens is when you want to apply for other jobs in other companies they then also have to prove the same thing and if they manage to, you know, hire you, then you apply to immigration with all of this documentation to say why you can do the job. And then you wait for a decision. And if immigration then says, yes, that's all right, only then you're allowed to leave your first job. But you 
in most cases, you've already told your boss that you've got this new job because you need a reference or you need some sort of documentation from your current job to show at your new place that you've interviewed for. So that puts you in a very vulnerable position where your current boss knows you don't like this job and you want to leave and go somewhere else. And you don't actually know if you can leave because there have been cases in the past where immigration has said, um, no, actually, we'll not allow that job change. You need to stay where you are when they're not satisfied with the proof that they've got. So that puts the person in a really vulnerable position and that can lead to a lot of workplace exploitation as well. The other thing that happens is that you might actually, you know, after your studies or even after your job change, you might get a new job and you continue on the same visas. So if the visa was for, say, 12, 24 months, and when you get your new job, there's only six months left on your visa, you will just continue on that. Or if you've even applied for a new visa, you can't, you know, you can't relax. So you can't just take a sigh of relief and, and say, oh, thank God, now I don't have to worry about this for the next three years. Because these visas usually take three to six months to process. So 12 months into your work visa, you have to again start thinking about, oh my God, my visa is about to expire in another 15 months. I need to talk to my manager to tell them to apply or get renewal of my visa. For that, they again have to go to the market for a job that you already do and then again prove it to immigration that you can still do it, which is such a ridiculous thing because you're already in that job, right? So what do you do? I mean, you're already in that job. They go to the market, people apply. What if they find a better candidate? Do they just tell you to leave? I don't know. There's there's so many blurred lines in that because I have also done that sort of work where I've worked in HR and recruitment and we've had this question so many times and nobody knows the answer. So it's really hard when these sort of things happen. The other thing that happens is when you're on a work visa, you're tied to a, to a specific job and there are other opportunities in your organization for, say, career development or internally there's a job posting that you're very interested in, you can't really apply for it if it's advertised as a, what you call a secondment here, at least here in New Zealand and Australia, they call it a secondment. Secondment can be for 12 months, 18 months, 6 months. So that means for 6 months, you will leave your permanent position, you will go to this other role and do it for 6 months and then come back to your permanent position. So your permanent position is still yours, but you are just going and helping out in this other department. So your permanent role is um, still kept for you it is still secure someone else might fill it in the six months that you're gone but basically the department is sort of loaning you out to another another department where you can learn new skills or if you have some skills that you can um, implement in that area or if you're interested to work there then you can do that so as an immigrant who's on a work visa that's tied to a job you will never be considered for these sort of opportunities because these work visas the condition is that you need to be in a full-time permanent employment or a 24-month contract employment, nothing less than that. So, I mean, if it's like a 6 to 12-month secondment opportunity, there's no way you'll get a visa because your permanent role is still yours. So, on paper, that's your job. So, you can't really go and do something else. So, then that, again, adds to your stress. The other thing that, and this is still the case, is that 
when you get your work visa and now you're looking at your future and you want to apply for residency, permanent residency, you need to maintain your work visa, have a valid work visa, a valid job while your residency application is being processed. And the residency application will take so long, I mean, usually years and years. So while it's being processed, you need to maintain your job. And if you become redundant or lose your job, then that residency application will not be processed. And I'm just not really sure why it takes so long. But I mean, yes, I know for some countries, there's so many people that apply that it actually takes that long. But then sometimes it is political as well, where applications are not processed in time because we want to slow the number of people that are becoming residents in this country because once you become a resident it is really easy to get their citizenship once you become a citizen then you know you add to that social system that works like free health care and um, insurance or injury insurance or anything like that so there's never a time when you're like okay I'm really comfortable in my job I can you know I can just sit back and just do my nine to five you can never do that. I'm not saying you, you should slack at your job, but you can't slack at your job because then your employer might notice and they might not sponsor you for that next visa. Whereas you could probably see some of your colleagues slacking. And it is just so annoying to just see that how it's not like the employer wants to treat you differently, but they sort of have to treat you differently because that's what the Department of Immigration wants them to do. And it is just not great. The other thing is that you don't have the freedom to just leave your job or look for a new job or you know take a break because if you don't have a job you basically don't have a visa if you don't have a visa you have to leave the country so it is really bad i specifically want to talk about what happens in the united states um most people in the u.s are on what you call a h1b visa which is like a work visa and it is tied to your job right if you get redundant in your role then you just have 60 days to find a new role and if you can't then you basically have no jobs which means you have no visa and which means you need to go home and in the u.s it is really hard to get that work visa even when you have a job it is hard to get that visa so just imagine in a country like that where there is no universal health care which means there is no government or state funded health care the organization that you work for will actually provide you health care so not only do you use your job you also lose um, your health care insurance which means that if something happens to you you're going to be in debt for millions of dollars because it is really expensive Healthcare is really expensive uh, in america so you lose that and you lose any other perks because there's no perks being offered by the government so yeah the one thing that also happens is migrants sometimes are not considered for promotions because that means that the employer will again have to go through the whole process and then say right oh this is the person um, and we think they're the best suited for this role because blah, blah, blah. A hundred different things that you need to tell immigration. So it's almost like a restriction and employers just don't want to go through that path anymore. So I know that at the time when I was looking for jobs, I would get rejected for a lot of jobs that I would qualify for on paper. And I knew exactly knew why. That's because I was a migrant. And I was on a work visa. They're looking for another job, which means I am on a visa, which means there are restrictions around that visa. So it's not like you can do whatever job, whatever time, whatever hours. And that's just 
as an employer, it's just added complexity to their recruitment process. And I think we as migrants really put ourselves out there and for some reason, I think it just seems to get more and more complicated because immigration will always remain a more political topic than anything else. So you might be really deserving. You might have all the skills in the world. You might have all the qualifications for that job. And chances are that someone else with less qualification, less experience or less skills will end up getting that job. Because hiring that other person who's um, a citizen or resident is relatively easy for the employer. So they can train a person, but to get you on board, they first have to go through this immigration rigmarole, which takes three to six months. After that, you then have to serve your notice, which is another one to two months. So overall, it could become like six months before they actually get you on board. Whereas for someone who's not on a visa, it's just one to two months of notice period that they have to get through. So as an employer, again, there's a lot of complexities. These rules are changing all the time. So you need to really, I mean, if, if you're a small organization, it's really hard to get an immigration lawyer on your payroll to then keep up to date with these changes if you want to hire a migrant. So it's almost like governments around the world are trying to just get employers to move away from hiring migrants. And you can, you can see why, you can see why they don't want that dependency. But on the other hand, they're still handing out student visas for a lot of students to come in. So once you've handed that visa out, of course that person will then make plans to, to get a job because they've spent so much money to come to this country and pay for this degree. So as simply just a return on investment, they would need a job to pay their loans back home. And I know that a lot of countries have now opened their doors for immigrants, especially I do want to mention Canada as, as one option where a lot of migrants are going now as students, even as workers, because Canada sort of has realized that they don't have the workforce they need to be able to function properly as, as an economy. And they've done that. But I don't think a lot of countries are moving in that direction. And I know that there's got to be a balance. But if you are allowing people to come in, study, then of course they'll need to find other options to then be able to sustain themselves. So if student visas are really easy to apply for and get approved for, then work visas should also be easy to apply for and get approved for. These two things can't be different to each other. They really need to be a seamless process so that employers are open to accepting migrant workers and migrant workers don't have to go through the exploitation or discrimination at work because they're just on a visa and has nothing to do with their skill or their level of experience. So I think when you decide to come to the country that you want to move to, always just, you know, look at all the options available, read the news, see if there's any other changes being talked about in the news, always try and learn new skills at work, outside of work, wherever you can. So if you land in an unfortunate situation where you have to find another job because you don't have a job anymore or your current job is not sustainable, then at least you will have something to fall back on. And just always stay at the top of your game. You might decide to come to a country and at the time the rules may be different and then when you actually land, the rules might change. So I think be prepared, be ready because you are going into a different world and the rules in this world are different to where you come from. 
So I think it's really important that we keep that in mind and look at all the ways that we can move forward. So with that, I will finish this topic. If you have any suggestion, comments, or you want to share your own work visa stories with us, reach out to The Migrant Next Door on Facebook or Instagram at The Migrant Next Door or on Twitter at Migrant Next Door or leave a comment or just reply to one of our social media posts and we will always be there to engage with you and take your feedback and listen to your stories. So I will be back next week. Till then, take care, enjoy and stay safe. See you.